right, just before we bring in Mark Spector, let's welcome in our Monday co-host, Lorianne Munzer. Good morning, monster. And it was a monster performance with you watching the Grey Cup and just being jacked, stoked watching it. Absolutely. You had lots of fun. What did you think of the game? Happy Monday. Um, It was amazing. It was just, it got better and better and better and better. Just watching the plays. um, Mac, okay, the (laughs) one-armed bandit does it again and again and again. Uh, Philpott, oh my gosh, just watching him and then watching the interview afterwards, Mm -hmm. post-game, was you, you could just feel everything that he was going through there and he articulated it so well. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, Let's bring in Mark Spector. Now, on the mark, powered by Booster Juice, visit a location today to refuel, refresh, and re-energize or download their new Booster Juice Rewards app to earn, order, and enjoy. Good morning, Speck. Did you finally find a place to watch the game yesterday? I had to watch it on my computer in my room. Oh, I did. Yeah. Uh, which is fine. In fact, the uh, I will give a plug to the CFL Plus app. It worked great. Okay. It's just like watching it on TV. Would have been nice to watch it in a little bar somewhere in FLA, though, with all the Floridians. Yeah. It, I mean, probably it was somewhere, but mm-hmm. my experience being on the road for probably, you know, 20 of the last 30 great cups, it seems like, <laughs> is. It's a. It's always on an NFL Sunday. So even if you can coerce a bartender into finding that thing, and it's not easily found here in the U.S. anymore, mm-hmm. they give you a corner TV that you can't hear. There's no sound. It's an NFL country, yeah. pal. You're yeah. not gonna get the break up in most bars here. Hey, Spec, I saw your uh, photo there, um, but I'm having a hard time finding your article. Talk to us about that. <laughs> I, 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 did, I, did you even write an article, or did you just send that picture? Never mind. Some of my <laughs> finest works out there on sportsnet.ca this morning. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I was looking for it last night, Spec. I couldn't find it, so it just came out this morning? Yeah, yeah, because, okay. I mean, just yeah. frankly, the Internet is a, is a lot quieter on a Sunday night. Yes. The Grey Cup was gotcha. on, you know, our place. would We ran that out this morning mm-hmm. when it's – People are turning the page now to hockey. Right. Uh, yeah, really good conversation yesterday with both Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid. And I will say both were very magnanimous. They, they sat and talked about how it's been a struggle mm-hmm. and they're trying to figure it out and how maybe if one of the guys was going, they could help pull the other guy out of it. But they both kind of chuckled. They said, yeah, we've talked about this. Like, we're both not going so great right now. And uh, you know, it was it was a good good conversation. I give both guys credit. It's when you're two of the best players in the world, mm-hmm. it's not always easy to talk about how you're not playing very good. And both guys uh, went on and and really stood in there. It's go ahead, Lorianne. Yeah, I was thinking about this with you know just you always want to play to your strengths versus your weaknesses. Obviously there's something going on. So if you were to say, hey, here's their two strengths or their top two strengths at the moment what would they be? Oh, well, I mean, the, I guess the issue would be for me, Lorianne, is we know what their strengths are. With Leon Dreisaitl, he holds the puck. He controls the pace of play. He shields people off, and, and he's the one who decides when plays are going to get made, and everyone else reacts around him. He's not doing that. He's, he's not got the puck on his stick a lot. He's not using his body to fend off defenders the way he's, you know, so good at. And his other obvious top talent is his one-timer, and he's missing the net. 
He's missing the net on the one-timer. So that's what he does well. He's just not doing it well right now. And McDavid, I would say to you, does everything well. Mm -hmm. He's not as explosive as he was, so that's not working so great. I think he's still nursing something. And the puck's not going in for him. He's just not scoring goals, and he knows it. He needs to start. So Connor said, we're trying to win any way that we can. So difference from, you know, the CFL game, Grey Cup last, last night is, you know, they, they played to win. So what's missing in the game? Like, is it an emotional part of this? Because, you know, like Dreisaitl and when he's with the media, sometimes that's a challenge. But you look at Skinner, you know, he's 25 years old and I don't see the emotional game quite the same. So, you know, thoughts on that? Well, I mean, every guy's got his own hill to, to conquer here, right? Skinner, you know, Skinner gave you three real good games in a row, I thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fourth one in Tampa, not quite as great. He could have, you know, you could have had a couple of saves in there instead of six, four, maybe it's, you know, four, four with the right couple saves get made. Uh, every guy, Lorianne, their strength, their, very few of them are playing to their strength. Zach Hyman isn't, isn't cycling that puck down low the way we've seen him, hanging on, hanging on, hanging on until help comes and then a goal happens. Evander Kane's been real good. We talked about McDavid and Drysaddle. How about the power play? Mm-hmm. Best power play in the world. It's running 10 points almost below where it was last year. Both McDavid and Drysaddle shooting percentages are down 10 points from last year, nine points. So, you know what? I don't know, right? Who Nobody, if we all knew, it'd get fixed. But mm-hmm. there's a bunch of different elements that are missing here. And that's why this team's struggling to keep its head above water. Mark Spector in FLA, Kevin Carries, Lorianne Munzer in the Sports 1440 studios. When you did talk to the two of them, uh, and you did mention the one-timer that Leon is, seems to have a, just he's just off for some reason. Did he say anything specifically about that, Speck? Well, specifically he said, hey, I want to score on every one of those. And I asked him directly about it. So I want to score on every one. Don't get me wrong. Uh, he didn't go into the technicalities of what he's missing, but what I thought was interesting was he said, you know, even more than missing those, it's my overall game that I don't like right now. Mm-hmm. He says, the the amount of time I have the puck, uh, the amount of plays I'm making. He, he's, he's, to be honest, less concerned with the, you know, that last split second where the play gets finished and more concerned with his overall game. He doesn't like his overall game and uh, I found that interesting, you know. He, I mean, I think it's a process. Every all the athletes say you can't focus on, you know, putting the puck in the net. It's all the things you do before that happens. But that's where Leon's at right now. Do you think we see Cal Pickard make a start tonight, Spec? I absolutely do think we see Cal Pickard make a start tonight. Uh, I think we see, you know, Skinner. Listen, there's no sin here. Skinner's a young goalie yep. who, who can't yet play on a 60-65 game piece in the NHL. So the trick is not to try to play him that much, right? He just gave you three nice starts in a row. You won three straight, and it looked like he was getting a little worn down in the fourth one. That's People are criticizing the any thought that, oh, he's so young, how can he be tired? He's not physically tired like... Oh boy, I can't play this much, but his game wears down. 
We all know it. We've seen it. We saw the playoffs. So it's time for someone else to get a start. And I would say to you, barring a, you know, a shutout by Pickard tonight, mm-hmm. you'll see Skinner again in the Nets in uh, Carolina. Mark Spector with us, Carrie Spunzer, Sports 1440. So, Speck, what have you made? And we just had Derek Van Deest on, and we were talking about Chris Knobloch. What, and it feels like he's been on the job for like two, three months already, but it's only been a week. So what have you made of the transition that the Oilers have had in the coaching position? Well, it's hard to see any real difference on the ice yet, I'll tell you that. You know, this is a team that... I had a long sit down with actually with with Chris. Uh, we'll have a Q and A. Uh, I'll be putting together for tomorrow with him that I think people will enjoy. Um, I think you know he's a new guy walking into a machine that's been running pretty well, and he's all of a sudden in charge of leading it. It's not easy, right? These guys have had a bunch of different coaches, and they've had a bunch of guys walk through the door with new ideas and fresh ideas and. And I mean, don't get me wrong, the players want to follow this guy and they want him to have his solutions and everyone wants to go in the right direction. But it, you don't just walk in and become the coach of Garner McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers and, and it just you snap your fingers and everything starts going your way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's as they say, it's a process. <laughs> and uh, I don't I'm not telling you Knobloch's not the man for the job. He seems like a very smart uh, he's well spoken. He's very patient. He's uh, he's a soft sort of. He, he doesn't have a huge presence. He doesn't walk in the door like Pat Quinn. Uh, but the whole thing's going to take some time here. With the time there, a lot of the stuff you were talking about, like the emotional game, the emotional energy there with Skinner and that, and just you know you can't play multiple multiple games back to back because it does take a toll. So in terms of the direction with you know Knobloch. Is the goal to win? Is it to win, you know, long-term? Is it to win one at a time? What are his thoughts on that? Well, I mean, the goal here is this team's not supposed to not make the playoffs. That's a start. But no one's looking at April here, right? You know, hockey players, athletes, they it's boring and it's a cliche, but I've been around long enough to know it's it, the ones that are sitting here chewing their fingernails over March and April aren't going to be successful. The guys that are worried about winning tonight in Florida are the ones that are going to work here. So it's, you know what, us media people, you know, we're going to do the math. American Thanksgiving's coming up. We're going to do the math on what are the mm-hmm. order's odds and what are their chances of making the playoffs? They're not doing that. Not if they're smart. They're not looking at the standings in the order's dressing room. You know, they're not – reading the media and doing all that stuff. This team's got to focus down and win things one night at a time. I'm not into cliches myself, but that's how hockey players work. And that's how this group of hockey players is working. I guarantee you. Hey, Speck, at American Thanksgiving's four days away, so that is always, everyone uses that date and says, well, if you're in uh, above the cut line, you've got a good chance to make it. I mean, it's happened before. We all know that it's happened before, but the Oilers are seven points back of a playoff spot right now with a whole bunch of teams to climb over. Uh, one other player I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on was Connor Brown after coming back from the injury. Had one really, really good shift, I thought, against Tampa Bay. What did you make of his overall game watching it in person against the Lightning? Yeah, I didn't mind his game at all. I thought he caught up somewhere a little bit below where he was at when he got hurt. Uh, you know, I, I, I always would caution everybody here. Mm-hmm. You know, don't judge a player when he's coming back from his first game from injury. Don't judge a player in his first month coming back after an ACL. 
right? You might not like Connor Brown's game. That's fine. But you're getting about 70% of it right now. Like, if he's playing this way in January, we got a problem. Yeah, I'm not saying he's playing bad, but I think you want a more effective player. So, Connor Brown for right now is fine. I would have absolute confidence he'll be a better player a week from now, a month from now, a month and a half from now. It's, he's got to get better to make all this, you know, the contract worthwhile, the acquisition worthwhile. But for the way he's playing right now after injuring himself again and just showing up, I think Connor Brown's doing just fine. We're going to have Tim Hamlin, James Hamlin's father on later in the oh. show spec. I would imagine out yeah. of all your years, that's probably one of the better feel-good moments that you've probably seen and witnessed. Yeah, and a nice Edmonton kid too. It yeah. was a really nice, you know, nice story. It's a shame they lost that game because that angle fell down the queue a little bit, mm-hmm. I'm afraid to say. Yeah. Uh, but good for James Hamlin. He's played, you know, he's worked. Can you imagine how long a guy, a small guy who, you know, has had to fight and scratch to make every team he's ever played for, all of a sudden he's in the NHL, top shelf goal for his first goal ever. Uh, Honors his mom, Gina. It was really a nice moment. Uh, I'll be interested to listen to Tim when he comes out. Yeah, it's going to be good. Uh, Really looking forward to that conversation. Uh, Speck, enjoy your day by the pool again. (laughs) Yeah. No? Okay. <laughs> but uh, I guess you're on your way to the morning skate here right away, and uh, and uh, you'll be filing stuff all day, and we'll be looking forward to seeing Yeah, you. i got work to do for yeah. sure, but it's uh, it's also a nice day out here. We'll get, we'll catch an hour in the sun, I'm sure. Oh, but I'm sure you will. Right? Yeah, why this wouldn't is, you? You know what? Evan has won three or four here, uh, so that's okay. Mm-hmm. Like three or four is good, but it's got it, it can't be three or five and three or six, right? Nice. You lost a game, okay, you lost a game. they got to get back in the horse, got to win a game tonight. And, you know, this is going to be a long haul to make playoffs. Mm-hmm. It's got to be 650 hockey. Uh, and that means after you lose one, you got to win the next one. Thanks for this, Beck. You're okay for tomorrow morning travel-wise? Uh, I'm okay for tomorrow morning travel-wise. I'll uh, talk to you then. Sounds good, bud. Have a good one. Enjoy the game tonight. That was uh, On the Mark, energized by Booster Juice, Mark Spector, Rogers Sportsnet. Get the boost you need at Booster Juice when we come back. Scott Taylor from Game On Magazine. We'll talk bombers, we'll talk jets. That's coming up. Carius Munzer on Sports 1440 right after the break. Did we just hear this song a little while ago? (laughs) I think we saw it live. They were awesome. (laughs) Green Day was really good. Uh, Time now for our headliner of the day, brought to you by Mr. Rooter. They are sports fans like all of our listeners, and our Pump Sports Talk Radio is back. For all your plumbing needs, go to mrrooter.ca. Let's welcome in Scott Taylor, Game On Magazine in Winnipeg. Morning, Scott. Well, I I don't want to tell you how to run your show. (laughs) But you you will. My wife upstairs singing it. And I'm thinking you'd be better off playing 10 minutes of uh, a Green Day than having me natter on about Grey Cups and Oilers and Jets and that kind of thing. <laughs> well, you, what's, what's the feeling? What's the mood like in Winnipeg this morning, Scott, after a 28-24 Montreal Alouettes victory? Well, I've been looking out the back window to make sure my neighbor over the lane is getting up to go to work today because I'm a little worried about it. <laughs> he is a fan like no other, and I'm sure that was devastating for him yesterday. Um, I, I mean, I, I think everybody's in shock. I mean, I think mm-hmm. everybody is stunned. 
that <laughs> that team with all that talent that went 14 and four and had a pretty easy time with BC in the in the final in the West ended up losing a game to a team that was 11 and seven and not that good. And Cody Fajardo has never proved that he was a big winner. And yeah, I, I think there's I think there's a lot of hmm. gnashing of teeth in this town today. I I, I I think there's a lot of disbelief too. Hmm. So Scott, how do they turn it around? How are they going to turn it around? I mean, they're one of the best CFL teams. What are they going to do? So how do you win the big one? Do you change your quarterback? Yesterday was really interesting, I think, in terms of Zach Caleros because he couldn't throw the long ball, could he? Mm -hmm. The interception and the pass to Wolotarski that should have been there that was tipped away in the end zone were both floaters. And I think that has to concern the coaching staff a little bit. Caleros is a great game manager, but is he a good enough passer to win the big game in that league? I don't know. I think that's a question that those coaches are going to have to answer. Um, they certainly have a running game, no question about that. Brady Oliveira is just a yeah. tremendous footballer. And, and that big Dakota Pro Cup. <laughs> they should just have him run over the line <laughs> all game. I, mean, I, I thought he was, until, until Montreal won, he was the game's most outstanding player. Mm-hmm. You, you know... First downs and touchdowns. Eh? Yeah, he was like that one time he just soared over. It was like he had wings. <laughs> and then that one time later he soared under. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, 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 defensively, they've got to fix that defensive backfield. I wonder if it's time for uh, Richie Hall to go as mm. the as the defensive coordinator. Maybe it's time to look at something different. But I think that's the only way. You, see, it's hard to say turn it around. Because they were fifteen and four heading mm-hmm. into the game, and man, that's pretty good. Scott Taylor, Game On Magazine's our guest, Carius Munzer, Sports fourteen forty. That one uh, toss to the end zone you're talking about with Zach Claris, I was disappointed in the compete level of Kenny Lawler on that play. The interception by Ento. What do you think? Well. <laughs> I'm never going to question guys compete in a, in a great cup game. Okay. But that ball just didn't get there, period. It didn't get there. And it was up there for so long. Like, Lawler had beaten Ento clearly by four or five steps. And that ball floated enough for Ento to get back and get it. And the same thing happened on the on that other play with Wolotarski. Wolotarski was three strides past the, the Ento at the, at the corner. Mm-hmm. And, again, Ento was able to catch up the ball and knock it out of bounds. Um, those two balls were both floaty, and and that worries me because good quarterbacks in professional football don't throw that pass. So are we seeing a lot of like you know solid shots or a lot of floats going? Yeah, I wonder. That's that's the question. I wonder if if, if that's the thing. But that's a question that, that Michael Shea's going to have to answer again. You're 15 and four going into the game. You're at 10 nothing lead. You just can't put the hammer down and put them away. And I guess if you're going to blame anybody, you've got to blame a defense that didn't tackle very well and didn't cover very well. And it certainly didn't cover very well in that final drive mm-hmm. when they had third and four. You can put the game away, shut them down here, it's over, and really no coverage at all, and there was no pressure on the quarterback. Uh, it was interesting to me that they talked about they ran that play because they expected pressure. And when they didn't get it, it was a field day for, for Fajardo. So... Um, I think defensively they have work to do, and I think they have to ask themselves some questions about Calaris. Scott Taylor with us on Sports 1440. So I guess the question is, Scott, if you're looking, 
You know, and I think you're along the same lines as me being a CFL historian. I mean, the Edmonton Eskimos, 78 to 82, the greatest dynasty ever. No the, question. The Blue Bombers here had a chance to kind of cement themselves, even if you go back to last year and then this year. So you had two great cups, losing two finals. Where, where's this this team over this four, five-year period going to be recognized, go down as? Well, it's certainly as good a team as, as the Bombers of 58 to 62 when they won four great cups in five years. Um, they're certainly there. Um, will anybody ever be as good as that uh that Eskimos team with, with um, uh, Huey Campbell and that coaching staff that was as brilliant as it gets and the best offensive line I remember in the CFL next to the, the Walby years in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, great quarterbacking, outstanding receivers. Um, this team's up there. And there's no question about it. You go to four, four great cups, yeah, you're, you're a pretty damn good football team, and you're probably going to go to another great cup. I mean, I don't see anybody in the West – knocking them off next year i think they'll they'll certainly be a playoff team and and will get better and they've got to sign kevin walters i think that's really important and you, you sign you sign walters as, as, as your gm again and go with o'Shea and he'll answer the questions he needs to answer i don't think there's a worry about this team being there i think they should have won the great cup yesterday i think they blew mm-hmm. it i don't think montreal won i think winnipeg lost our buddy Eddie Steele sent in a thing, and he wants you to uh, respond to this. Ask about Willie Jefferson tweeting at halftime. Yeah, that's pretty stupid. That looks like a team that's 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 picking up the trophy, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Like stick to the game. I, I it was a little loosey goosey for me, and I, I mean that when they, when they're up ten nothing and they've got this thing in the bag, you just don't let them back in it, right? Mm-hmm. And and just everything was never really very good after that ten nothing lead and, and they looked so good early and were doing all the right things and giving the ball to Oliveira and moving it up the field and using the receivers and I just I just think that was a little bit loosey goosey and, and I'm sure I, I, I know how Eddie feels about tweeting at halftime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how Eddie feels about that. And first of all you don't do it and second of all, what are you thinking about, right? Yeah. Question for you here. The Alouettes came out really hot. Mm-hmm. So how does or how do, you know, the the team counter that? Well, remember, it was it was 21-7, or rather 24-21 on that final drive, and you made two good defensive plays, and you had them third and four. So you need to shut them down one more time, and you win the football game. So it's basically one play that turned it around uh, in a game where you've got guys um, uh, uh, tweeting at halftime, and you have a ten nothing lead that didn't that you just you just couldn't make better, and you let them stay in the game, and you didn't cover very well, and you didn't give very much pressure, and it looked like from the from that ten nothing lead on that you were you were fitting yourselves for your rings. Um, I just think Winnipeg has to snap out of it. I think Winnipeg has to, to exactly stop tweeting and start playing um, grab grass and growl football. They got to play harder. Um, they got to put teams away. This team, when it won two Grey Cups in a row, would never have let a ten nothing lead fritter away. It n- would never have happened. It would have been twenty four nothing before you blinked. And, and then they would have just pounded and pounded defensively. But they didn't do that the last two years 
and it's cost them two great cups. Scott Taylor, Game On Magazine's our headliner of the day for Mr. Reuter, Carius Munzer, Sports 1440, 8.30 in Edmonton. Scott, what did you make of the play of Cody Vichardo after everything that happened to him in Saskatchewan? Now he moves on to a game and a season, and, uh, I mean, he played the game of his life, really, when you think about it. Right. You're dead on, Kevin. That's exactly correct. He played the game of his life. He, that was the best football game I've seen him play. He was tremendous. And, and good on him. He, he won the football game. He made that final drive, was brilliant. Um, he converted that third and four. Um, he won the football game and was, was certainly the most valuable player in the game. And mm-hmm. Congratulations to him. Uh, that was, I mean, that's all you can say. He was tremendous. Let's uh, switch gears just a little bit here, Scott, talk about the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, off to a good start, 10-5-2. and two. What have been the keys, do you think, for this good early season showing for the Jets? It's very interesting. And, and um, I am a, a Rick bonus guy. I've known Rick for, boy, nearly 40 years, probably 40 years. And, and I'm, I'm, uh, I just thought he was a great hire when the Jets brought him on. Mm-hmm. But what's very interesting is his wife, Judy, got ill, so he took a leave of absence. And his assistant coach, Scott O'Neill, takes over. The Jets are 1-3-1 one, and one when Arneal takes over. They are 9-2-1 and one with Arneal behind the bench. And I wonder from day to day, this was Rick's the final year of his contract. He's 69 years old, almost 70. Um, does Rick come back as the assistant to the president, the advisor to Mark Chipman, and Arneal keeps his job behind the bench as head coach, and they name him head coach? Um, these players are playing for Scott O'Neill right now, and it's mm-hmm. it's really impressive to watch. He has put together a club that plays well defensively. Um, it's starting to score on the power play. The power play is still weaker than it should be. Um, the penalty kill, which was really, really passive early in the year, is starting to get a lot more aggressive, and they're better on the penalty kill. Uh, it's doing all the right things. They still have to f- figure out a way to beat Dallas and, and Vegas. That, they still haven't really figured that out yet. But when you go 9-2-1 and one under a guy and your scorers are scoring and your third and fourth line is as good as it's ever been and everybody seems to be happy, they've all got contracts, they're all happy guys, I don't know. I, I, I think this, this Winnipeg team is playing as well as the talent suggests they should. I think they're a Stanley Cup contender. They get Velarde back, they'll be even better. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just think it's a very good hockey team that's playing very well for a coach that it likes. And everything's going in the net for Kyle Connor. Boy, last year, Kyle Connor last year, I, I, I had to laugh about Dan Robinson, who's the play-by-play guy for the Jets on TSN. Um, when when Kurt Kielbach was the play-by-play for uh, Jets 1.0, his kind of signature phrase was, it's the wraparound by our <laughs> And then, and then, and then you had Dennis Bayak, who, who was just a great guy, yeah. but his his um, signature call seemed to be Kyle Connor. He could never just call him Connor. <laughs> Russell, American broadcasters they can't call him Wilson. It's always Russell Wilson, and it was always Kyle Connor. Kyle Connor. Last year, Dan Robinson got his signature phrase, the Robertson way, when yeah. he when he started to say that shot's wide and that shot's wide and that shot's <laughs> over the net and that shot's wide last year Kyle Connor either shot it right at the logo on the goaltender or over the net 
And now that he's hitting the net, the puck is going in because he's got a tremendous shot. He is, mm-hmm. he has a bullet. I mean, I I put it up there with with the best in the league when it comes to that one timer with Line A and McDavid and all those guys and Drysaitel who can really fire it. He can fire the puck on a one timer as well as anybody. And now that he's hitting the net, you find that quite often the puck will go through a goalie. How many times this year has he hit a pad and it's kind of bounced up under the bar? Mm-hmm. That's happened. He's, he's thrown it at the goaltender and it's, it's hit like between the arm and the body and gone just, just in the net. Like He's firing the puck at the goal, trying to find the netting and not the goaltender's logo. And because of all that, he's got a pile of goals. Um, he is the driving force offensively of this team. Um, and when you need a goal, he seems to be able to get it for you. Um, and I think it's all because he's shooting at the net and not yeah. shooting at the goal. Hey, uh, Scott, thanks so much for your time this morning. Things are going to be okay in Winnipeg, aren't they? Like, I mean, the Bombers? Yeah. Your neighbor's your neighbor's going to be okay? Yeah, he's gone. He left the He's fine. <laughs> Every, everybody's fine. Winnipeg's going to be okay tomorrow, and, and the Jets get rolling, and mm-hmm. they keep this, this winning going, and everybody will have forgotten the Grey Cup by the end of December. Does your neighbor have one of those Blue Bomber, fa- uh, like the, the flags hanging from the window, the picture window in the living room? No, no. Well, I didn't go around in the front of his house because he's not over the back lane, so I don't know. He may very well have had. Um, I have, I have, I have a guy across the street now. If you go to, to CTV News, okay, he's done a story on his car. He has a blue bomber car, oh. and CTV was over filming the car all day yesterday. So what? The car is painted like you know, gold and blue, or what is it? You got to go on and find it. Okay. Um, Eddie Tate's folks at uh, at bluebombers.com have done a story on him. Crazy Dave. He's got this this bomber car. It's all painted up like the bombers and he's got the gray cup on the roof and it's it's nuts. We, I, Winnipeg's crazy for their football team. Oh, yeah. not to, my neighbors are as crazy as anybody. What is it, a 74 Gremlin? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> it's not a very nice car. It's junker. But boy, it, it's bomber, bomber, bomber. Has he ever offered to take you for a ride or a drive? Oh, yeah, and I won't go in. <laughs> passing your seat to front. Oh, man. Hey, uh, <laughs> thanks for doing this, Scott. We'll talk soon. Take care, man. Hey, this is great. I appreciate it. Okay, have Bye. a good one. That's uh, Scott Taylor. Game on magazine and our headliner of the day brought to you by Mr. Rooter. There's a reason they call him Mr. For all your plumbing needs, go to mrrooter.ca. Have you ever seen a 74 Gremlin Munster? I have. I have actually chased it on a bicycle. Um, Those are like, (laughs) those are classic. Wow. You don't see too many of them. And, you know, the windscreen that they put up, it's perfect for drafting. Exactly. They're awesome. I just wonder what he's going to do now, like, with the loss. Is he going to paint it the Alouettes color? No, but I'm, they should have a bet with some guy in Montreal that has a car painted Alouette's colors. Yeah. And, you know, like the mayors of cities always have, we'll wear your jersey in council chambers or whatever like that. Yep. I, I think know. that's a good idea. Mind you, the, okay, Montreal, there is a strong, smaller support group for the Alouettes, okay? They have a fan base of, well, I don't know, 30,000, 40,000 people. Mm-hmm. 20-some thousand go to the games. But... So it's That's kind pretty good. Of, yeah, but I mean, it's not like it's, you know, Montreal Canadiens are live and die in Montreal, right? The Alouettes are way down. Soccer's ahead of the Alouettes, right? Might be times changing. You never know. Uh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that.
When we come back, we've got some open time. If you've got a text, send us our way, one 1440 If you've got a question for Lorianne Munzer, and maybe it has something to do with her 2004 Olympic gold medal performance in cycling, give us a shout, one 1440 It's Carius, it's Munzer. More coming up right after the break. All right, welcome back to the big program. 842, Kevin Carries, Lorianne Munzer, Sports 1440. Text coming in, one 1440 JCD says, great Grey Cup really got me pumped up about next season for the Elks. This one, and we're going to talk about this one, Lorianne. Shovelhead texts in, good morning, folks. I was wondering if the Oilers' summer training would have had a negative effect on these players. That comes in from Shovelhead. So that's uh, sort of a broad text, but I think a lot of people were talking about the Oilers. They had the captain skates, and remember we talked about that. The Oilers, all the players came in several weeks earlier before camp, mm-hmm. and they call it the captain skates, and they'd worked out just with on their own, not necessarily, you know, this is, this is away from the team because the team can't say, we're doing these practices early. So the captain says, fellas, we're coming in early and it's going to be a couple of weeks of, I don't know, getting ready, things like that. And I mean, they weren't skating every day. They were doing other things. But a lot of people have said, you know, that the captain skates has had, they've had a negative effect on the start for the team. Is that at all possible as an elite athlete to have, I guess, extra Sessions, extra training, your thoughts? Extra sessions can either add to what's going to be coming up, your training, or it can take away from it. It is a personal, individualized thing, and there isn't going to be a right answer. There isn't going to be a wrong answer. It's going to be totally up to the athlete. But it all depends on what their whole periodization plan is. What have they got set out for the year? How have they broken it down? And then how are they executing it? Because the other problem sometimes when you get into the environment like that is you just get pulled in and, yeah, sometimes there is doing too much versus not doing enough. Mm-hmm. That's the question here. Yeah. Because, again, with coming in a couple of weeks early, and this it's not like this is new and other teams have done this and got – started off the season well. So I think if the Oilers had been off to a great start, everyone would be going, wow, wow, the good idea about the captain skates and the extra training and things like that. Having said that, like Shovelhead's point here too about summer training would have a negative effect. Well, these guys train, I mean, I would think totally you would take a couple of weeks off at the end of the season. Always. But they are getting right back at it and training harder than they've ever trained before. And that's just the way it is. There isn't a player that comes to training camp now that isn't in top, top physical condition. And that's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. Because if you did, you'd be so far behind. And that's just the way that goes. So I think that's a problem right there, Kevin is training harder is not necessarily the answer. So training smarter. It's always training smarter. And number one is if you play somebody else's game, you're going to get taken off course. You know, you're going to maybe, you're going to do too much, whether it's lifting, it's drills on the ice. 
but there's specific things that you have to work towards and you have to do. So the question becomes then, are you training harder? Are you training smarter? You always, always, always want to go train smarter. And sometimes that means doing less. And that is the hardest thing for an athlete Mm -hmm. to do because we always think we have to do more. More is better, but it's not. Doing less is better. It's better to go in undertrained into a game or a year versus going in already at the peak because you can only have one major super peak. You can have smaller peaks as you build up, and that's the progression. But you can only have one major peak. So how does that happen, say, for a team sport? Like what you're what you're explaining to me, I think, is right up an alley for an Olympian and mm-hmm. to train for that. Little different for a team that is playing eighty-two games. So, so Absolutely. how does that work? Well, you have number one. You have to plan it out so that do you know what you're doing on which days? Where are your strengths? Where are your weaknesses? Where do you need to improve? But break it down into shorter terms. Right? It's take a look at the week. How many games? How many practices? Question: Are they spending too much time on the ice trying to make up, or? Are they really working on mastering all the drills, all the plays? Yeah. You, you know, would know better than I would. Well, the thing is that, you know, over the course of a season with travel and the schedule, it's so hard to get the practice time in. A lot of it is done off ice now with video, and that's how that's just the reality of where of what the NHL is right now. That's that's a simple fact. When you have and we're going to have Matt Berlin from the Alberta Golden Bears. So they play Friday, Saturday. You know, then they have Sunday off and then they're back practicing. Mm-hmm. So they get in three really good days of practice consecutive. So you can build off a of practice and build for the next day and build whatever you were trying to institute and implement on day two or day one, whatever your practice schedule is. Yep. NHL teams, they don't have that ability to do that they just can't because of the schedule and travel well you're always working around that i mean that's that's always a given the other component to bring in is the emotional part the mental aspect of it are you letting your head get away on you what is your visualization because visualization is a huge component some athletes do it Mm -hmm. some don't some do it for longer periods some do it for shorter periods it all depends but you got to know you what works for you and you can still run a game but in your head last friday you were on with jason gregory you're on with Greg's every friday and you did mention jack campbell you guys were talking about jack campbell so for Mm -hmm. The listeners that never caught that, um, can you sort of just double back? And I guess, I, I mean, everyone's trying to figure out what's between Jack Campbell's ears right now. Mm-hmm. And they have been trying to figure that out for a long time because he hasn't been able to figure it out personally. Where do you think Jack Campbell is? And where do you think the Oilers are with this guy right now? We had talked about doing a reset. And I'm a big believer in that. I had a really bad season in 2003, the year before the Olympics. I took three months off, and it was the best thing that I could do. I know Jack Campbell does not have that time luxury. So sometimes taking a couple days off, sometimes taking a week off. Mm -hmm. Um, It is totally a mental game. 
in his instance, I believe, because when you're in your head, you're dead. When you're in your head, you're dead. It's you're mm-hmm. done because you're overthinking it. You're thinking, I have to do more. I have to do more. And I think one of the questions, if I was an Euler management team, leadership team, I would ask him, what do you need? And if he doesn't know what he needs, then we've got to figure it out because it's a team. A team is a family. Yeah. We start together, we finish together. And if it's not working, he also has to be honest about that too. Right now, Jack Campbell's played three games in Bakersfield. 4.36 goals against average and 819 save percentage. I think we've seen a lot of people, a lot of Oilers fans have seen a couple of the goals that have uh, gone in. They haven't been very pretty to say the least. What kind of support group? I mean, now it's different because some of his best friends, you know, Evander Kane says, yeah, we're tight. Zach Hyman says, yeah, we're tight. So can these guys still give him support from up here, even though they don't really know what's going on down on the farm because they're not watching the games and things like that? Yep. How can his teammates on the big club help him try to get through something that's happening at the minor league level? I think reaching out if you do need help is the big thing. Also knowing that the guys are there, the team is there, is huge from that aspect. But you also have to ask. You have to reach out for help. You have to ask. And this is a Jack decision. Mm -hmm. Jack knows Jack. Texter comes in, 1-833-401-1440. Lorianne, interested in the psychology of the game. How did you get into the zone? This guy says, Arnie is his name. He's been playing goal for 60-plus years, and I still have no idea how to get there. I well, love it. Even the fact that you're playing for 60 years, Arnie, that's a pretty darn good thing. Uh, sometimes it's there and sometimes it's not. Thanks, Arnie. Your great question. Right? Oh, my gosh. Great question. And yes, sometimes it is there and sometimes it isn't. So I believe in rituals, routines. And I figured out what my routine was to get into the zone. Sometimes it's music. Sometimes it's connecting with a person. Sometimes it's putting my left shoe in, my right shoe in, (laughs) adjusting my helmet, adjusting my glasses, zipping up my jersey or my skin suit. And it's just like I have a mantra that I go through. Arnie, do you have a mantra that you go through, like an affirmation or just power words of going, ah, strong power, whatever it is. And there's certain things that will shift your vibration. And, and when we talk about getting into the zone, it's about getting onto a higher frequency. If you watched the Grey Cup, the Alouettes, they were operating on a different frequency that built the first, you know, the first half of the game was different than the second half. Mm-hmm. And it's a momentum. And you keep adding another log to the fire, as they say. You just keep building it and building it and building it. But what is it that works? And you keep bringing those little components and you put them together. So it's like a master puzzle. Well, you need to probably help the Duke out after his giveaway last night that cost the Tropicana's a big victory. Or was the Tropicana's? What are they? No, just the Tropics. Oh, we're, tropics. Not, we're not orange juice. Oh, we're, okay. Uh, Drawing inspiration so, from the uh, <laughs> classic film Semi Pro. Ever ever seen that? Yes, that gives me a hard time with all the movies I haven't seen. The Tropicana. The, the oh Tropicana. You guys have a big orange on your front of your shirt. We do not. Oh, big palm tree. Oh, really? There you go. 
Well, anyway, Lorianne, the Duke might need some help after what happened last night in this okay. big game. 6-4 okay. loss. We can talk after. <laughs> All right. Uh, when we come back, are you in or are you out? The Duke has assembled five statements, questions, whatever you want to call it. And Lorianne and I will discuss if we are in or are we out. That's coming up right after the uh, break uh, on the Kevin Carey Show with Lorianne Munzer. Before that, here is a Sports 1440 update with the Duke.